Hello. Hello, everybody. I'm so, I'm sorry. I just got a I just got a visitor over here. Honey bunny, are you going to sleep now? All right. Tell everybody good night. I just I just come in. Have a hug. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a good day? Okay. Well, go go have a good time with mommy, and I'll see you tomorrow. Don't cry. You had a great day. Did you get your? Did you, was that a big enough hug? Are you okay? Okay, one more, one more. Okay, it's okay. You just you just close that door. Have fun with mommy, and make sure you w wake me up in the morning. Okay, okay, love you. Right? Yes. <laughs> I'm just about to. I was just about to. Flip everything on, and then all of a sudden, I, I feel a uh, a hairy head on my arm. <laughs> I said, "Oh, look at this timing!" I couldn't even say hello, but hello to you all, and good night to some of you, to the little ones out there who have bedtime now. Good night to you. But my night is just getting started, which is why I have brewed myself a nice hot cup of, quite frankly, Elevation Blend coffee. Oh, in my Zoso Dude mug. So, welcome to the show. We've got a good one here tonight. We've got a good one here tonight, and uh, it's really going to be focused around, again, human interest. And one of the things that I love doing with the show, always have, is to be able to go out and find interesting people and talk about different things and keep things nice and spicy. And yes, maybe spice will pop up tonight in a culinary sense. We're talking about Mediterranean diet, culture, all that. We have a author a host, a radio show host on with us tonight. Her name is Emily A. Francis, and her URL is in the description, and we're going to have a great talk with her. She, um, in 2020, in the middle of all the COVID lockdowns, she pretty much just sold her house and a couple of cars and took her family and just, and just said, pick the spot, and they said, we're moving to Malta, and that's it. And it was all about being able to find a place where it's good food, that's it. You know, it's a GMO-free uh, area, country, island, and she's got a really amazing background, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with her tonight. I think you guys will, too, and I have a lot of questions from you that I'm going to be incorporating into the conversation, and then afterwards, in the second half, when we take some calls, who knows what comes up, but I will dip into an old thread that we have been building. I have kept pinned to the top of the Quite Frankly Forum, and that is a show thread on personal Food preferences, no matter how weird, strange they are. Food hacks, strange food combinations. They may not be healthy, but they may be uh, enjoyable. It, I, you know, so we're going to be talking about health and stress and lifestyle and all that tonight. Uh, and, uh, and of course, it's going to have a Mediterranean flair. So I hope that you are down with that. I sure am. Um, thank you to Blue Monster Prep, bluemonsterprep.com for all of your preparedness needs uh, some of you can't relocate right now, but what you can do is make sure that you have edible, tangible insurance that you can keep stored in basements and, you know, lock boxes and anything else, food, uh, water filtration, solar power, anything that you can do to make sure that any of the risk of, I don't know, the uncertain future that we have here is mitigated at least slightly more than your neighbor's. 
So go check out bluemonsterprep.com. And that is all there on QuiteFrankly.tv's affiliates page, along with our wonderful friends in gold and silver and botanical chocolates and everything else. Go and check them out. They're fantastic. They really are. And tonight, tonight, um, I, well, I have my coffee here, so go buy the coffee. That's nice. So Emily Francis, she is on with us tonight, and that is what we're discussing now. Uh, in the grab bag, I have one thing I'd like to do real quick. Here is a really interesting story from, uh, where the hell is it? Where is it? Oh, it's over here. It's right over here. It's from allthatisinteresting.com. Haven't gone there in a while. Sal, her name is Sally Snowman. Snowman? Snowman? The last lighthouse keeper in the U.S. has officially stepped down. Sally Snowman has been a lighthouse keeper at Boston Lighthouse Light Beacon on Little Brewster Island for the last two decades. Over 300 years, the Boston Light, Light Beacon Lighthouse on Little Brewster Island in Boston guided ships to safety, helped by a succession, succession of 70 lighthouse keepers, now its last keeper, Sally Snowman is stepping down as the lighthouse passes into private hands. Oh, I know I'll miss it, Snowman said. But who the hell cares? As of New Year's Eve, Sally Snowman has officially stepped down from her beloved post. The Boston Light Beacon, like other lighthouses across the country, has been sold by the Coast Guard as its utility has waned over the years. But though Snowman, I'm telling you, these things are going to come back. These things are going to come back. If we go into the world that they're trying to take us, completely deindustrialized, that that kind of like, uh, I don't know. You could say it's high technology, low culture kind of a thing, but there's just something about the old ways of doing things. These things are coming back. And then the privateers out there, us lighthouse pirates, are going to own these things. In fact, I remember we did a story on this not too long ago where it, uh, uh, this this particular article was talking about how many lighthouses were available for sale and that they were very affordable. So uh, if you want to own a lighthouse, you should do it, especially if you're like John the Savage from Brave New World. You know, that could be your last refuge. Oh, God forbid. Uh but though Snowman has held her position at the lighthouse for just 21 years, her infatuation with it stretches back much further. As Snowman explained, she first visited the historic lighthouse as a girl, and she was dazzled. Can you imagine being able to own it after being dazzled by something? My first experience to Boston Light was when I was 10. I stepped off to the beach and looked up at the light and said, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to get married out here. And I did in 1994. After that visit, Sally began to dream of becoming the lighthouse keeper herself. And then that happened. And then she met Pete the Dragon. P or Pete's Dragon. What what was Pete's Dragon's name? I forget. But that whole took that 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 took place next to a light. Mickey Rooney lived in the lighthouse in, in Pete's Dragon, right? Mickey Rooney lived in the White House? In the lighthouse? I know that there's a lighthouse in there somewhere. Anywho, that's what we have for you tonight. All right, let's get this one kicked off. We have a great guest, and I just want to start talking to her. So uh, away we go. We will be right back. Uh -huh. 
You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Yes. A little bit of Kenobi. Chasing Clouds by Kenobi. I actually opened up with Kenobi too, slipping to something more comfortable. It just sounds so much better here at home. It's going to sound like this really good at the, like this at the studio too, once we get all the technology uh, in place, and that'll happen very, very shortly. Okay, so let me introduce you to our, our guest for the evening. Our guest, Emily A. Francis, she's an author, a radio host, a columnist, and a wellness expert with a vast education and experience. She is the author of five self-help books, bachelor's degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in nutrition and master's, master's in science, uh, master's of science in physical education with a concentration in human performance. Boy, is human performance lacking these days. Her commitment to total body, mind, and spirit wellness is her driving force. She believes in a whole body and proactive approach to wellness where balance is key and kindness paves the way. Well, we've got a lot to talk to uh, Emily about tonight, and I can't wait to introduce you. So let's just jump to it. Emily, how you feeling? Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. The only thing is that it's nearly, it is past one o'clock in the morning right now, and you it's are on the- Way past my bedtime. <laughs> but, and, and you are in the very exotic Mediterranean island nation of Malta. But you hail yes. from Atlanta. I do. Yes. That's that's some that doesn't that must have been some culture shock at first, huh? It was massive. <laughs> how long did it take you to to? We'll get around to all the um all the uh, the fundamentals. But how long did it take you to really start settling into the flow from coming from the east coast of the United States into the Mediterranean like that? Oh, well, you know what? I'm lucky though because Malta speaks English. So that's that's one of the major pluses. So you have two languages here officially, English and Maltese. So as far as moving to a foreign country, I couldn't have been luckier in that regard because at least I could get around. Yeah. It, well, well, you know what? Since you've been there for a few years, how how is your Maltese doing these days? Any any uh, any better? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh. I mean, I Maltese is a really funny language. It's seventy percent Arabic. And so it's really hard to keep up and it's very harsh, but about every eight to 10 words is in English. So you can get the gist of whatever somebody's talking about and basically decide like, do I want to enter this conversation or do I just want to hang back? Wow. And most people are kind and speak English around me. That, that's, that's really interesting. 
I didn't know that about Maltese. In fact, being that close to the uh, to, to Italy, I always assumed that there would be a lot of Italian speakers there. And I, I never even looked into it. You know what? This is funny. Everybody that's about 40 years and above and older are all fluent in Italian here in Malta because when they were young, the only television was in Italian. So all the adults here are fluent in Italian speaking. But but now, now that everybody, you can get any kind of programming you want from the internet and from satellite. There's the young just, people don't speak Italian. No, no. no. Okay. Well, there you go. The generations, <laughs> they, they, some, suddenly just one generation sheds the skin of the other in one way or another. And uh, it's true, but we are only 40 minutes from Sicily or, or like, I think it's like 60 miles or something like that. And on a fast boat, you can get there less than an hour. And it's interesting because I went to Sicily and saw my gardener over there. Like you just, people are there. <laughs> oh, so just, well, that's just a, that's a pretty easy commute. If you think about it, yes. I mean, they're actually doing the, um, they're building right now. They're testing it to do the um, charters, the ships, the, the quick boats, the ferries. Yeah. The ferries. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you know, if, if we had better, uh, better relations with Cuba, that's only 90, 90 miles off yeah. the coast of Florida. So it's yeah. that uh, you're talking Sicily's even closer. Like yeah. And they have a good relationship with Sicily over here. People go to Sicily just for the bakeries. Well, that that sounds great. And as, as I'm sitting over here with my freshly brewed cup of coffee, I could really use a Sfogliadelle right now. So, oh. yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know what? We, we'll get into all the gluten talk in a little bit. You know, I first let me just get into something, some of your background. Now, you went to... I see the Atlanta School of Massage, yes. and you specialize in manual lymphatic drainage. Now, can you talk a little bit about that? Because especially when it comes to things like cancer, uh, mm -hmm. we've yeah. all heard people talk about how key the lymph nodes are in determining how pervasive the, a condition like cancer can be. But uh, you know, what about just basic upkeep of the lymphatic system should we know about like what what builds up that needs drainage and what prevents natural drainage um oh gosh that's so much okay so the atlanta school of massage i i finished in clinical and neuromuscular and then went on to specialize in the dr vader school for manual lymphatic drainage and combined decongestive therapy okay which means i'm a lymphedema therapist so i work on people that have dealt with cancer and have chronic swelling as a result of radiation treatment. So maybe too many lymph nodes were removed or they were radiated or they were severed. And so they no longer drain. Let's say a person had breast cancer and the major area of lymphatic is under the armpit. And let's say because of that surgery or radiation, that area no longer drains. And the lymphatic system is your plumbing. It's your internal plumbing system. And the way that lymph leaves the body is through your urine. So a lot of people always wonder that, like, if you're getting this much uh, stuff down, where's it going? You, you urinate the, the lymph fluid out, but it's in the blood and plasma. And, um, we do a thing for people that have gone through cancer. So I won't treat anyone in active treatment for cancer because you're in that plumbing system. So now you're speeding up. You can actually speed the growth of tumors and, and things that are not treated. So a lot, there's a, there's a huge half and half divide on this subject. Mm. I personally will not treat someone who's undergoing chemo currently because I could, any chance that I could make something worse, I'm not touching it. If they're in remission or if they're terminal, are the only times I'll treat. And in remission, if they have the lymphedema, that comes way after the cancer stuff. Okay. And then it's 
It's a chronic swelling. So they actually have to wear a, a day compression garment and a night compression garment, which is different every day for the rest of their life. So lymphedema can be managed, but never reversed. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that, so that, but, but, but lymph, like you asked, like if you're a healthy person, uh, people that have acne could get lymphatic drainage. Um, if, if you're overcoming an illness, lymphatic drainage, uh, we do amazing things in the liver, the, and in the diaphragm area in it's, it's really cool, but here's what I think is really interesting for someone who's has no idea. When you go to massage school, you learn all of your endangerment sites, meaning all those soft areas that you should never massage. And then in lymphatic work, that's where you treat is in all the endangerment sites where all of it is got the blood arteries, veins, mm. and lymph going through. So you're doing the armpits, you're doing the ribs, you're doing the abdominals, you're doing the inguinals, which is the high inner thigh triangle area that in a regular massage you would never touch. And that's how we move that fluid. And it's a skin stretching technique. So I will also say a lot of people claim to be lymph, lymphatic drainage or lymph therapists. And there's a lot of stuff at the spa and it's like feathery, sort of silly, and it's not really based on science. And I don't understand why so many people get away with that, to be honest, yeah. because the lymphatic system is a negative system. You have to clear the pathways. So if you, if somebody comes in and says, my leg hurts and somebody starts on your leg, they have no training, literally no training. If you don't open the neck first, get off the table for lymph because it has to be opened here and then into the armpits and then into the ribs, into the, all those sites, the inguinals, they all have to be opened so that the flow of, of exit can actually be arranged. It, it, it's so intricate. And again, it's something that we only hear about. You, you want to talk about ignorance and, and the, the, the poor nature of our education. You would think that we would spend most of the time that we ever had uh, spent in school learning about our bodies you know, think things like yes. this that are not just on a, you know, a springtime test one day in 1994. That's all I ever was told about the lymphatic system. And then, but this is huge. It, it's really, it, I wish that education Honestly, was more based on this. I did. You know what? It's so funny you say that because yesterday I was doing my yoga practice and I came upstairs and started writing basically an intro to your body for young people. Because in February, I'm teaching my daughter's school meditation here in Malta because they're much more open to this stuff. And so I'm teaching all of the level, level seven kids meditation. But I started writing down like information about instead of meditation, I'm going to teach them tricks of the trade to one, be introduced to their body more effectively. And two, understand that the, that the mind, not the brain, but the mind, the thoughts and the breath, they're married. They're married to each other. You control one, you control the other. So if someone's going to take a test and they get super nervous, what are some easy tricks they can do to calm and, and integrate that, that marriage of, of mind and breath? And I was just writing these things because wouldn't it be nice to have an intro to your body from a very young age and continue it instead of only if you specialize? And, and I'll yeah. give you an example. I was in my friend's kitchen. This was a couple of years ago, but it was so humorous to me. And I had this weird stitch that felt like it was in my liver and it made me nervous. And I said, oh my gosh, I just felt this cramp. I, I hope it's not my liver. And she goes, that's not even where your liver is. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, that's exactly where your liver is. And she goes, oh, I don't really know. I just was trying to make you feel better. And I thought, oh my gosh, until I went to massage school, even with a degree in exercise phys, I didn't understand the body until I went to massage school. 
And now I cannot imagine operating life, just daily life, not knowing where in accordance to the law of body, my organs are situated. Well, you know, you know, you know, Emily, I, I talk about this from time to time when it comes up in conversation. Uh, it, it's it's even for professionals. It's one thing that we all walk around and we're by and large, on average, very disconnected to how the, how we're feeling and understanding, you know, what hooks into what and what could be triggering certain types of physical sensations or whatever the hell's going on. We have limited ways of diagnosing ourselves because, like you said, you know, there's no we education. We don't know it. We literally walk around all the time having no clue. And so when when we have certain random random pains, nothing's random in your body. Your body is an expert communicator. But we are like idiots. We don't have the guide. We well, don't have, well, we do. I mean, if you bought my book, but honestly, the manual, there's so many manuals out there and so much study about the body. And honestly, no matter which road you take into specialization, you're still never going to get the full picture. And, and that, that's the big point I was just about to make is that even with professionals, everybody is so over-specialized. Uh, specialization, I think, is such a, a, a terrible thing because you, you go to a doctor now and you know, you say, "Hey, doc, I, I have I have a problem," and they they refer you to like a a pointer finger fingernail specialist. Everybody yeah. has everybody specializes in one very. Th you ask him anything outside of the bounds of what they specialize in, and everything falls to pieces. And then it's just, just because it's not in their scope of practice, I know. and they're not allowed to say. Yeah. That's really where it's gotten. Honestly, I do not miss. I do not miss American healthcare. It is one of the things that I really don't miss. Is that that approach because here in, in, in Europe and in Malta, first of all, everything's covered. I mean, I, I like, I threw a fit in the pharmacy to fill a prescription because I thought it was a joke. It was like four euros or something like that for medicine. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, I don't, I, are you sure? Are you seeing the prescription? Right. And even my mom came to visit me here and she had kidney stones and we had to take her to the hospital for two days and a night. And it was during COVID. So I couldn't even stay with her, which was horrifying. And she didn't have traveler's insurance and they don't take any U.S. insurance. And I'm on the phone with my sister saying it's going to be it's going to be at least 10,000. It's going to be they did two CT scans. They did all this blood work. I mean, it was just crazy. And I'm flipped out. And then we leave and the whole entire bill for this visitor, 1,000 euros, two days in the hospital, Not bad. blood work, scans, foods, <clears throat> they fed her. I mean, I was like, my husband was like, hurry, pull out the credit card and get the hell out. <laughs> right. We were so afraid they were going to change their mind or go, oh, that's just the copay. There's not. And, and the copay here is it. You're done. So if you go to like your eye doctor for my kids, um, I think I pay 60 and you're totally finished. That's a, <laughs> there's, hey, no, there's no follow up. <laughs> not too shabby at all. You know, I, I was going to ask you about why. Uh, why you picked Malta out of all the places out there, but it doesn't really, you know, I, I think that comes through as you are talking about this stuff um, and, and what you're going through and, and what you've worked on over the last few years. So let me just ask you this, as far as, because we've already brought up stress, now let's talk about lifestyle. Can you talk a little bit about the pace, I, and you also talk about the differences between the medical systems, but talk a little bit about the pace and the priorities of life in Malta compared to America. Do people, uh, yeah, okay, well, just start with that in, in general. It's funny. I have to say, first of all, I will just say my husband's company uh, offered us the opportunity to move over here. So we didn't pick it. There was no, I mean, honestly, we had to research once it was on the map, but I really wanted to move. I wanted to move to a GMO free country. That was really my priority in life was to get out of where the food was so dangerous. 
Um, and it fit all my box. It fit all of our boxes. Uh, but anyway, it's funny because in Malta, especially, you cannot imagine how many people smoke. <laughs> so you have this half the side of, oh, it's the Mediterranean living. And, and the thing about Malta is it's a tiny island. So we eat predominantly locally because if the port shuts down, we have to be able to, to sustain. So here in, in vibrant colors, you eat local and seasonal more than I've ever understood it in my life. Because in America, you get your hands on everything. Here you don't. It's seasonal. So even last night, we went to sushi and they served this one with strawberries because, oh my gosh, the strawberries here are orgasmic. And I'm not kidding. Mm. They're unbelievable. And it's totally different, even than in an organic strawberry in America. And but, but last night they said, I'm sorry, but we're not in season for strawberries. So do you, would you want to have a pineapple or a mango or, you know, something else? But you knew it was going to be imported and it's, it's fine. Uh, a lot of foods come from Italy, especially and Greece. So our Greek yogurt is Greek, um, it, you know, so that kind of stuff's really, really cool. It's also 300 days of sunshine here in Malta. So everybody's outside mm. and it's weird because you'll see people out walking, smoking. <laughs> um, it, and the but the the average lifespan is more than 10 years longer than in the United States. And the interesting thing, and my mom pointed it out, and now I can't unsee it. You cannot imagine how many older men live in Malta because people live older here. And a lot of people work through their life. They don't like just look for 65 and retire. They look to do something else. They're busy. People here are busier, but with purpose. And I always say they live simpler, not easier, but simpler. And people are much more laid back. So th there's a lot of like, you can't stress this. You can't control it. Don't stress it. It's, it's nice. It's nice. You know, I got, I have two things that just came to mind. Number one, is is what I felt when my when my producer uh, Krista passed along your your website to me, and I said, "Oh wow, you know the website alone relaxed me." Where the, the, there you are showing off your book in front of this the emerald colored water on a day in the picture that looks to be about I would say seventy eight degrees with a slight breeze. That's what I would that's what I would estimate. But I, I just wanted to be there uh, in, 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 uh, in, in just one of those little tiny dinky boats. But the other thing is, today, I was spe speaking with a good friend of mine who's a frequent guest on this show, who's also a nutritionist. His name is Jay. And I, I told him that you were coming on. I said, hey, take a look at all of her stuff. Let me know what you're thinking there. And we started talking about you and just uh, Mediterranean living a little bit. And he had he said... Um, he said that perhaps one of the most, I had, this is a quote I had to take down from him. He said, perhaps one of the most confounding variables when he's talking about nutrition and longevity and people's quality of life. He said, one of the most confounding variables is the community and purpose driven aspect in health. So often we attribute everything to diet, like the supposed blue zones. And for everybody out there, everybody out there, a blue zone is, for those of you who don't know, is, are there areas with unusually large populations of people living beyond 100 years? And he said that we often attribute everything to diet, but daily movement, community, and purpose is a huge reason these people tend to live long with less disease. It's not necessarily the olive oil. And it, it, that's the first thing I thought about here when you, when you said that. You know, it's funny. I have two, two responses to that. It is absolutely a healthier way of life because we eat longer and socially. And um, the Mediterranean diet is what, this is what I found out when I moved here. That's an American type of 
uh, slang term, the Mediterranean diet. It's not actually a diet of food. The Mediterranean diet is a way of life. It is the way that we live life over here in all aspects. That's what he's saying. The other thing that's funny, though, is I've become wildly in love with olive oil over here mm. ever since. Uh, so I write for the local tourism magazine now in Malta. And my job, I have a column called Emily in Malta, kind of take on Emily in Paris. But I interview local farmers, fishermen, and chefs about the way that these local GMO-free GMO foods are grown, harvested, and produced and prepared. And it's the most fun I've ever had in my life. And honestly, I don't get paid a dime. I, I don't have a work visa. And so I'm not in practice anymore for massage over here. But my husband's uh, company moved us over and that was sort of the trade. And I thought to myself, what makes me happy? What do I want to learn about and explore in my whole new life? And so I started calling the local magazines and people didn't give me the time of day. And then I called the tourism magazine. I wrote to them and I said, I'm a local American author. I want to write an article. And I said, no, scratch that. I want to write a column. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the editor wrote me back and she goes, full disclosure, we'd kill to have you. We can't afford you. And I wrote back and I was like, full disclosure, I'm willing to work for publicity. I need to build my brand over here. And so we ended up on the phone and I, I talked about my, my love of Maltese local potatoes which honestly, until you actually taste the difference, it sounds so bizarre, but a U.S. standard American non-organic potato goes through five rounds of bleaching before it hits your plate. Five rounds. The seeds are bleached. The soil is bleached. The potatoes are bleached. The, the amount of toxins that are on your potatoes is absolutely filthy and disgusting. And over here in Malta, it's like, well, it's local. It's GMO free. You're not allowed to spray with all that stuff. And when you pull it out of the dirt, which I got to do on my first interview, it looks fake. It looks like somebody washed them off, put them back in the dirt and said, here, pick this one because it's so clean because the soil is so different here. And there's a lot of alkaline in the soil over here because all of Malta is basically limestone. Every building is limestone and the limestone pieces are in the soil and it makes it sweet. So you don't have to add sugar and it adds the alkaline level to the soil. And so the potato thing, I thought it was going to be a one and done interview. And then all of a sudden the editor was like, would it be okay with you if our camera crew followed you and we put you on camera and you interviewed this farmer? And so it turns into a whole thing. And three plus years later, if you go to O, like O-H, ohomymalta.com and you go to cuisine, you can see pages and pages of Emily and Malta and all my farmers on videos, uh, professionally shot. And I've gotten to pull artichokes, Jerusalem artichokes from the ground. I've gotten to pull globe artichokes potatoes, all kinds of foods, prickly pears. But I got to interview a man for olive oil. And he is known as the godfather of olive oil. Jamie Oliver flew over here to meet him. And he even grows something called the sacred white olive that turns pink when they're ripe. But he grows what's called the Bidni, B-I-D-N-I, olive oil, and it's native only to Malta. And it has the highest level of antioxidants and the lowest level of gas in the world of any olive oil. And so it actually, they're using it at the hospitals now to test it on fighting cancer. Really? So it's, yes. And, and when I, and then I interviewed a Bidney olive oil farmer the following year, and he was saying he just was in Sardinia because it's a blue zone and they do attribute the level of olive oil because you eat olive oil. I cook with all, I don't, I only have olive oil in my kitchen now. I, I barely use butter. I use olive oil for everything. And even my kids don't mind the taste anymore. So we've become major olive oil people. 
And he was saying in Sardinia um, that that it's the quality of the olive oil that keeps people so healthy. I'm, 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 I'm looking face, at these. I'm lips, looking at these. Skin. It's amazing. These white. Look up the I'm, looking, I'm looking at the white olives right now. The white. Oh, the, oh my gosh! And they turn this beautiful light pink, but really pink, and it's very sweet. It's a sweet olive oil. So I've become like wildly. I have now a love affair with olive oil. And I have planted four olive trees in my yard the first year we moved here. And this year was the first year we were able to harvest. And I got to, my kids and my husband and I, we pulled all the olives off the four trees and we took it down to the fishing village. There's a priest down there with an olive press and it cost us three euros <laughs> to get our olives pressed into oil. And then he served it to us and I should go get it really. Um, he's, when you take a break, if you want, in a mass wine bottle, but it's full of olive oil that he gave it back to us. So I feel like it's doubly blessed <laughs> yeah, yeah. with my olive oil. And honestly, like that night we called our boss and his wife because we all moved here together. And we said, we have our olive oil from our yard, come over. And we went and bought this rosemary focaccia bread that they, the bread here, they make every day fresh. And the government subsidizes the bread to not exceed one euro per loaf of bread so that everyone can afford good quality bread. And it goes bad in about two days because it doesn't have those chemicals and, and preservatives and leavening agents and things that make it stay. So the bread tastes very different here. So bread and olive oil, you've got a meal. Well, that's a, <laughs> I, I, th that is one of the um, one of the perks of living in a nation that is an island. You can do a lot of things like that. Uh, this is a lot of you know you're homogenous uh, in in a, in a cultural way and stuff. You can do things like that for sure. Uh, subsidizing bread in the United States would not work out uh, in, in any way, mm -hmm. shape, or form. Uh, but that is incredible that you're able to yeah. to do that. So, you, you know. I was looking through some of the preview pages on your your latest book, The uh, Taste of Joy, and man, was I ever shocked to see that uh, Malta does not prioritize Lucky Charm cereal over steak at the top of your food pyramid out there. The, that food pyramid looked amazing. Um, the food I, pyramid is different. And honestly, you know what? I just got an email yesterday from my children's school saying that they are introducing a fruit and vegetable. They call these things schemes here, but it's not the shyster scheme. And they said fruit and vegetable scheme. They'll be washed. Uh, they'll be, you know, there's no nuts in the school. They'll be washed. They'll be fresh and local just to teach the children more about uh, farming and fruits and vegetables. Are you guys, is that okay? Can we serve your children this food? You know, you have to say yes or no. And um, in the break time at school, they have a gardening club and they teach the kids how to garden. That's well. That's this terrific. is a regular school. This isn't some specialty forest school. This is actually a British school that's highly academic, and yet this is part of of what they do. Well, it's the only thing worth learning. I mean, it, it, are you not True. preparing? Are you not preparing? Is is education at every level not there to prepare human beings to live more efficiently on Earth? You know, you would think that being able to being able to, uh, you know, extract resources from the ground and know how you can grow things. And ha I mean, that, that is just like basic relationship with our environment. Um, but, you know, you were talking about eating seasonally. And I want I want to learn about this here because I know what it is to eat seasonally in New York. I know when it's time that we're going to get the good tomatoes. I know when we're going to when, when uh, the fall comes around, we trans we transfer into squashes. Um, I, I understand how that works around here. So. When you talk about eating seasonally in Malta, 
I would love it if you can take us through some of the staple foods that become abundant locally throughout the year in Malta. Can, can you do that for us? Yeah, yeah. So um, the summer is the most fun because it's your highest seafood over here. So you're in the fishing village and we have a fish called lampuki. And lampuki is baby mahi-mahi. It's before they get over to to the other side, over to the Atlantic Ocean. So there are babies here. And uh, the world goes nuts for mahi-mahi. You'll see fishermen on the side of the road with their little boards, handwritten lampuki, lampuki pie. So here in Malta, they do a lot of pies. They'll do a lot of seafood and spinach. They do a lot of vegetable pies. And the pies change according to season and what's in in, in season. Uh, so I love the summer with lampuki. Also, so many of your, your berries and your fresh fruit grow from about March on. So fig season comes twice, uh, twice a year, starting from May. Uh, prickly pear season comes in the end of summer. Almonds grow all down the roads. You see them. There's two kinds of almonds here in Malta. They are sweet almonds and they are rancid. They're really rancid, but they are used for a drink. So the tree, you have to taste them to figure out which almonds you have. Wow. My almond tree is the rancid one, unfortunately. <laughs> so they're not that fun to eat. My friend's mom made us these almond cookies right from their almond tree in the yard. That's in the dry months, August, uh, September. Um, the winter months are your vegetables. That's where you get a ton of cauliflower and broccoli. It's where you get your sweet potatoes and your squash, the same stuff, pumpkin. Um, but mostly all those warm months, that's when I think right around March, things start to really open up. And I know that there's a lot of bees here. Um, like you don't see them anymore in the States because there's certain sprays that are poisonous that are banned in the EU. So you still see bees everywhere here. So I know that I actually mostly do seasonal according to the bees, because there's like one month where only the caper flowers feed the bees and um, capers, you can just go and pick from the bush. So once you can recognize the flower, you know where the capers are. It's so cool. It's really, really neat. Sun-dried tomatoes come in August. The regular greenhouse tomatoes are grown year-round. And then in the summer months, they are grown in the bush, which is fantastic. You lift up like a bush and it's just rows and rows of these Roma tomatoes. So red and beautiful. And then they take them and slice them in half and just sprinkle with uh, sea salt and lay under the sun for three days. And boom, you have your sun-dried tomatoes. Oh. Not a thing on them. Really spectacular. Um, artichokes is a winter, is a winter vegetable. What else? I mean, I feel like I'm missing really basic things here, but um, they make cheeses from the goats. They keep a lot of goats and sheep on the island and they do specialty cheeses called spainet. Mm. And it's a, a goat cheese-esque. It's actually goat and sheep cream cheese mixed together sometimes, or you can special order if you just want the goat or you just want the sheep. Um, you know, you know, I, 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 I got to I got to interject here for a second, because, you know, it, it's what you're talking about. I, and I, I just want to keep this in mind for people, because I have to keep reminding myself as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, oh, well, she must live on a five star resort. And this is just un un untenable for anybody to live like. And then I realize uh, Malta is not a very uh, fabulously rich nation, no. but like you were saying, yeah. it's simple because of its yeah. because of its location. In many ways, there is imports and exports, but like you said, they are forced to really live seasonally and understand. Th this is something that 
a lot of nutritionists and a lot of people over here in the United States are trying to tell people that, yeah, you may not be able to produce the kind of food that someplace like Malta does, but every region has its seasonal way of eating and that we need yeah. to we need to be a little bit more in tune with these cycles and that nature gives us these very fanciful and almost dessert like uh things to eat all all the time we're just we don't think that way so hearing you t- t- talk right now I I wouldn't be surprised if there are some people with their eyes glazing over thinking like, oh, well, she lives, you know, she's probably being served handed. It, it sounds so exotic. Yes. You and know? it is. I mean, I, I live in paradise. I really do. It, But it is it is bizarre because when we were when we knew we were moving to Malta, we literally spent every night watching YouTube videos. And then we arrived and it didn't look anything like what we saw on the YouTube videos because the the drive from the airport to our house. And it was, we moved here during COVID. So we had to go directly into mandatory quarantine. So we weren't allowed to go visit the sea and all that. And so it looks very desert. It's very brown and it's very desert. And because Malta has such ties to the Middle East and to the Arabic culture, the foods are very Arabic influenced and the spices are totally different, but it's very brown. And when I first arrived, I thought, oh my God, what have I done? Mm. I know the stuff I've seen on YouTube is here. I know it exists, but this is really scary. It's really, I don't know where I'm living. I don't know where I am in the world. It was really an overwhelming arrival because it was just the straight shot. And all you see is brown everywhere, brown, dirt, everything is dirt. Now, the interesting thing here though, is um, like the churches, they plant trees, apricot trees, almond trees, things that you can eat so that anyone can come and pick and and eat so everybody's fed the walls here on the highways are actually plant walls so they grow lettuces and different herbs and you'll see these reds like the red lettuce and the herbs down the whole wall because again they feed their people so anyone that's hungry can come and pull from the wall and be fed that's and i actually i got to go to the prison there's only one giant prison here in malta and it produces more bread than any other bakery on the island. And I was able to go into the prison and watch the the residents, as they call them, bake bread. You know, uh, over here in the United States, and I know that you know this because you're not you're not very. It's the, it wasn't too long ago that you're living here, but uh, they arrest parents for for allowing their children to put out lemonade stands. You know, yeah, I saw that. That's so disgusting. I mean, honestly, it, you, 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 what you're talking about is just so commonsensical. And so, yeah. uh, you know, you want to talk about good community involvement to just be able to take oh wasted pieces of land and just put an apple tree in or something like that and say, exactly. have, have at it. And, and, Help and be, yourself. I know. Exactly. And meanwhile, there's a tree here um, and it's called Bombanella. It's baby pears and they grow really. Uh, I have a huge Bombanella tree in my yard. And they grow all over. It's interesting because the walls have prickly pears and almond trees and all these all these trees that just grow along the side of the road. Fig trees, they grow on the side of the road that I never would have recognized if I didn't fall in love with my farmers and learn so many things. Now I can recognize by the leaves what's going to be growing next over there. But they they're honestly... My husband says this all the time. He always says, can you imagine being a child growing up here? Because think of the old Italian grandma. That's what's here. So children are embraced by the culture in a huge way. And every in the summer, there are 60 festas. 
So you have the saints and the feasts and everybody comes to the church on the square and there's a different square every 20 feet and they have a different celebration. And then the food that's in season becomes a dessert specialty. They have a whole day for the strawberry season, everything strawberry. Um, but And so the children are embraced, but I believe that this is how they have created an inclusive culture because they don't just invite who goes to church. They don't just invite who's local Maltese. It's open to the world, to the public. So I've just started to really enjoy some of these festivals because to be honest, I've always been very afraid of big crowds because of, you know, living in Atlanta. Yeah. And I'm start like, I went to a huge festival here in downtown Valletta and there were police presence everywhere, but, but it was also kids everywhere and all these amazing um, people were on stilts doing this crazy it's carnival. It's, it's what uh, Mardi Gras was yeah. based after. And so it's a seven day or two week whole celebration. And we went to one of the carnival dances and I couldn't believe how, how safe I felt in the crowds. Like, and that my kids that I felt comfortable bringing my kids. So they're really embraced over here in a way that we used to know 40 years ago. Well, cohesive, you know? yeah. Uh, to have any kind of culture in common is huge. Yeah, I mean, there's it no is. there's there's no two people on the earth that are exactly alike. But if there's something that people can hold in common as values, then you can you can build literally anything. And we had that for a while. You're right. Yeah. Um, but you know, you did say something there about about certain things that were banned in the EU that were not that are. Uh, not here in the United so many States. Things. <laughs> right. And, and that's exactly what I want to jump into. The differences in pesticides and GMO. What is the, this came in, I'm going to just start getting into some of the questions that came in from the okay. audience. There's too many. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. But here's the first one up. This came one. This came from uh, G925 out there. Says, what is the difference between oregano that can be bought in Europe and that is sold in the U.S. and uh, you know generally spices of all kinds from Europe and America. I know this is going to open up a big can of uh, you know pesticided worms, but well, uh, please yes. talk about oregano in particular because <laughs> okay, so oregano is a medicine. It is medicinal, and it is so in the Malta in the Malta tradition that the spices of life is a trifecta of three spices: basil, oregano, and thyme. That's your Maltese dish. So everything has basil, oregano, and thyme. And oregano is delicious here, but I will tell you this. The Greeks, there's a huge Greek presence over here. And our friends that own uh, the Greek restaurant, he says to us, no, no, don't eat, don't eat Maltese oregano. No, no, I send you home with the Greek, Greek, you know, and it's just like my big fat Greek wedding. They really do talk like this. Mm. You know, there are two kinds of people, Greeks and everyone who wish they were Greek. And uh, it, it, you see that a lot in all the cultures here. But he sent us home with Greek oregano. And I have to say, it blew my sweet Maltese oregano out of the water. It tastes like medicine. It is so strong. It's almost unbearable. You really have to put it in with other herbs for it to tone down a little bit, but you can really, it's so pungent. And I've never experienced that with oregano in any other place. Well, let's say so let, it's let, like let's, Greek and then Maltese and then the state. Let's say you, you felt a, uh, you felt a scratch in the back of your throat. And you, it, it's that scratch in the back of your throat. You're like, oh no, oh no, here it comes. Let's say you feel a cold or a flu just coming on, and you you go to grab the oregano oil. How are you taking it? Because I, I I don't I don't know. It's just a, a drop. Well, in the I'm gonna have to interrupt you there and tell you that in Malta we actually would skip and go for the carobs because we're in carob season, which is flu season, and they do carob syrup, and that clears the lungs and the throat quickly. But 
neither here nor there. Carib is our jam. Uh, oregano, I would put the oil on my feet, on the bottoms of my feet. Not ingest it. I, I could, but I would just do my regular oregano dry for my food because we use it in everything. And then if I were to do the oil, I would put it on the bottoms of my feet and probably down my spine. Wow. Okay. That's what I do for my kids. So when my kids are not feeling well, I'll pull out, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say brand, so I, I won't, but uh, I'll say the name of it, Thieves. I pull out my Thieves and I put it on the base of their feet and down their spine. And then I put socks on them and, you know, that's it. On me, I put it down my throat i put it down my chest i don't it's too strong for the kids that way but but not ingest um, you you don't ingest the oregano i, I thought that people ingest I don't. well i mean oregano oil i'm sure people do but i think you're talking about people that are, don't have access to really strong pure ingredients that's in their food mm. Got, so oh, we don't yeah. need to do that understood that makes it good and you know here uh, around thanksgiving i was reading i was reading an article um it, it was uh it was in the paper and it was about a woman who was preparing for a trip to Europe. I think it was to Italy. And, and, she, and more specifically, she was preparing how her diet was going to be impacted by going out there because she, she eats gluten-free over here in the United States. Yeah. And, and uh, she was going to Italy and she knew she's like, I can't go to Italy and, and not, bread. In, yeah. I can't, indul I can't not indulge in some pasta and all this stuff. Anyway, the whole point of the article was that, not she was shocked at how not only did the eating these gluten loaded foods not destroy her gut, but she actually felt energetic better than she had before. So obviously, uh, that was you know that was designed to make the reader wonder. Uh, for as much as it may benefit us to lean out our diets and maybe avoid gluten, there are definitely still stark industrial standards between the U.S. and the rest of the world that make things far worse than they have to be it's the glyphosate. Let me just say it. It's the glyphosate. It is the glyphosate that is sprayed on your wheat fields that is made a fortune by big pharma, by Monsanto. It is so dangerous and so disgusting and it's deplorable. And here it's banned. So when you have these, but now I will say this, I learned this the hard way. Malta has a full ban on GMOs. So if it is grown on Maltese soil, they cannot use those herbicides, insecticides, fungicides. But if it's imported, all bets are off. So if they brought in uh, Quaker oats from America, then it's got the GMOs. So you have to, you still have to be smart. And, and it's sad because most people here assume that American food is so much better. They assume that everything American is so much better. Whereas when I lift up a label and I see US, I'm like, oh, Mm, no, <laughs> because yeah. I know what's banned and what's not. And I do miss some of the things. And by the way, for a week, Lucky Charms was here, like made it made like a guest appearance and it was 10 euros a box <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, it's American. So they charge, you know, quadruple. But it's the sprays. It's unless you are truly celiac, the whole gluten free thing isn't so much necessary. My children were on it. I have a child with some sensory issues. And when we were in the States, we were gluten free. And I remember reading an article from a family that went to Europe and their kids were gluten free for years. And then all of a sudden ate the bread and pasta and the mom was, was petrified. Oh my gosh, we have to start over because it takes six months to get gluten out of your body, six months. And you have to be a hundred percent gluten free for you to really see in access what your kids need and don't need as far as food is concerned and gluten. And the kids had no regression and no issues. 
And that was a that was the seed that sprouted that I kept saying to my husband, I want to move. I want to move. I don't want to, I don't want to keep showing up to birthday parties with my own handmade cupcakes because my kids can't have that. Ah. Or, you know, that stuff, it sucks. It sucks. And then, and then you don't realize, but people that are gluten-free that are not celiac, but that have to do the gluten-free do a lot of tapioca starch and potato flour, all these alternate flours that spike the blood sugar. So you're actually, it's like you trade one illness for another. Oh, it, oh you know, it, it, well, you, it, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and I can see how that is just such a, obviously that would be something that would spark those types of thoughts. When you realize how you have to really clamp down on a diet living in one place and then have this in contrast happen in another continent where the foods that you were so petrified of ever having your kids go near are not only not harming them, but they are, they're thriving with that nothing's off the table here you know they can eat they eat pasta they eat they eat all the stuff the breads and they enjoy it and and it's just it's it's such a different here's here's the big thing for me i take my kids to school in the morning and i don't pray all day long that they come home i know they're safe uh and that is in my children's physical safety and in what they eat and in what they're consuming what they're consuming also, the children here are more feral, if I can say that. They're a little bit wilder out in the open because the parents are less, um, it's just a different, it's a different, it's it's life 20 to 40 years ago here. There's not even voicemails on the phone here. Like my friend said to me, my best friend is from Brazil over here. And she goes, you know why we love it here? I said, why? And she goes, because we're living in the 1980s. I was oh, like, oh my way. God, we are. That's I mean, you're like the cars, you're not trying to drive these super nice cars because the driving here is so bad that you just want to, you, you don't want to freak out over your perfect pretentious car. So a lot of people drive these little cars and um, no voicemails on the phone. So, and if you want something done in Malta, you're going to have to show up in person because you are not going to get their attention on the phone especially with my American accent. And that's been humbling, really humbling to be the foreigner. And it's made me realize how not as welcoming as I wish I would have been to people that were new to our country when I was in my home country. Um, It doesn't mean that I wasn't nice and I wasn't welcoming, but I definitely didn't bring it in. And here we have parties every week, Sunday fun days at our house in the summer because we have a big pool and a a big party, party area in the back. Wow. And I looked around, I was like, okay, I had friends from China and Russia and Greece and Brazil and, um, you know, the list goes on at Italy and all these people are, and then local Maltese. And it's such a hodgepodge. And, and my friend from Turkey and what we do, my husband's on the grill because he does competition barbecue in America. He's a major grill guy. But then all the people that come bring a side dish. So you have this French side dish and Brazilian side dish and, you know, Greek and all Turkish. It's amazing what you get to eat and experience. But I've never been so international before. So well, you, that part's really cool. You're in the central hub of what used to be the super highway of the known world. I mean, the Mediterranean yeah. was that <laughs> that was it the, the, for for a couple th- quite a few thousand years the mediterranean True. was all there was that was the super highway of everything of commerce everything so yeah uh, in many ways i can see how if you just add a little bit of uh, modern technology both 
transportation and communication, it's still going to have a uh, a wonderful congealing effect out there. Here's a couple more um, questions. Uh, Azure Skies says, can you please ask Emily, what would she add and subtract uh, to a diet based on where you are? If you're out there in Malta uh, and you're eating what you do seasonally, what foods would you add and or subtract for joint health? For joint health, I would do a lot of oils and a lot of nuts um, <clears throat> because you want to lubricate those joints. So I I would up my protein, but I would also add in like the lentils as my form of protein. There's a lot of issues. People either feel highly of high protein meat or high protein vegetables. So it really depends on who you are. But uh, the olive oil, I have to say the olive oil that you get in the United States just does not compare. So maybe think about going to some of those specialty stores and looking at origin, country of origin for olive oil and look for the Greek olive oil, the Spanish olive oil, the Maltese is really hard to find, the Italian olive oil. Look for the healthiest olive oils in the world. I would add in a lot. I've become really in love with dates, with, with dates. I eat dates a lot now which is interesting to me because that always was not a food for me then. Okay. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of moisturizing foods, lubricating foods. So get rid of, get rid of unhealthy butters, throw margarine out. Margarine should not even exist, but I would do the, the healthy fats, the healthy uh, oils for sure. The healthy fats. Um, I, th there's a lot of questions here uh, from people that are a little redundant, but they're all, it's obvious they wanted to know the same thing. And it was really about how, uh, you know, how do people compare fitness-wise between Atlanta and Malta? Uh, they're saying, I bet obesity doesn't exist in Malta. Also, uh, you know, things like that, well, your favorite meta... It, I think that really is all in, encapsulated in what you said before, just the lifestyle changes, how things are not uh, easy, but they are simple. And th I have to imagine there's not a very, very big obesity problem out there. It's not like you see in America, but Malta is the most obese of the Mediterranean countries. Can I just say that? Well, well, and it's because we love our pastries. We love our pastries. We love our foods. The Maltese, they throw down. They party a lot. They eat well, but they also eat big. And they there's a lot of, there's a, a food here called pastizzi. And you have pastizzi, pastizzi little stores on every corner of Malta. And those pies I was talking about. So they do a lot of mushy peas and a lot of ricotta and a lot of, of sort of vegetable loving uh, pies, but you're still eating a lot of, a lot of sweets. They do a ton because of all those festas. Uh, but, but on the flip side, they're outside all the time. So you're walking around. Like I never used to walk after I eat. And now it's a natural habit because you have to. So you kind of walk around a little after each meal. So Yes, they you still see larger than you would see in say like Italy, but um, but it's nothing like what you see in the states. Okay, like the clothing sizes are very different. I don't like shopping here; it makes me feel bad. <laughs> well, I could get that. You know, I, let, let, now I have one more question for you on this side of the intermission, and then I have uh, on the other side. I would love to keep you for another ten to fifteen minutes because I, yeah. I want to ask you a question about autism. I know you have. Okay. You, you've written about that. I want to ask I about mind-body connection and, and healing in that respect, human intention experiments. And um, so I one or two bigger questions that I want to ask you on the other side of the intermission. But before we go, uh, here is a question from Crude IT Guy. And he says, and I guess we could have 
I, we'll just see what you say. Does the Mediterranean diet that is not only the seasonal eating, but also the the, the lifestyle, uh, does it work better on people with heritage from that region? Uh, or is this something that anybody can adopt? I would actually assume, I think that's a great question. And I would have to say, I think that, that genetically they're designed to follow something like that um, more so than maybe somebody from from Iceland or Poland, you know, that, that your body's sort of predisposed to more cold people that are, are Mediterranean because the people that are here, yeah, you you follow, it's kind of like eat right for your type. You know, some people believe in it. Some people don't the blood type diet. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge believer in it. Huge. I, I can, you can look at people's bodies and go, Oh, they're probably an A, they're probably a natural vegetarian. They're probably an AB where they should be more plant-based than meat. And O is a natural meat eater. So a person that would come from places like the Mediterranean are very likely genetically predisposed to following a diet more so than maybe your average person. Well, that that's very interesting. And I know that that is a very controversial thing there, the whole uh, blood type diet. I know my friends of mine that looked into it, they don't really see any credence, uh, give it any credence. Uh, I actually, I researched my own blood type after a while. I wanted to see what... I should be eating according to that work. So I know a little bit of something about it, but we have a couple of bigger questions I want to tackle with you on the other side. I'm having a great time over here with Emily Francis, emilyafrancisbooks.com. The link is in the description over there. Uh, Emily, so you want to uh, stick with us for another 15 yeah. minutes or so? All yeah. right, I'm going to put you on mute and we'll bring you back on the other side of the intermission. If you wanted to go grab your... Uh, what, what, what'd you want? olive oil? Yeah, you, go, you, get the olive you oil? go get the olive oil. You'll have about two minutes to go do that, and uh, okay. we'll see you back on the other side. I'll go get it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please join us over on pilled.net. The link is in the description below, or you can go to uh, quitefrankly.tv. If you're on YouTube, Rumble, Rockfin, all the links are right there. I tweeted them out. I gabbed. I truthed. I did all that stuff. I hope you come on over because, again, there is no paywall. It's very, very simple, and I love hanging out with you all. There's nothing like chilling out on a chilly night in December, uh, in January, talking about something that makes you put your heart on a beach somewhere in the Mediterranean. So I like it. And I'm also thinking about ways that we can bring Malta to us. But the big thing is, how the hell do we get away from a government that doesn't see glyphosate and things like that as the existential threat that it is. That's the biggest issue right here. But more of this, more with Emily, and then your calls and some other fun stuff on the other side. Please join us on quitefrankly.tv or pilled.net. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be 
Quite frankly. 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I uh, we're over here with with Emily Francis. Emily, I, I uh, asked to unmute you over there, so just take a look at that, and you'll be right back in. Yeah, right. <laughs> no doubt about it. So, so I just went um, and welcome back everybody on the other side of the break. Uh, I just, Emily, I because I'm broadcasting from Studio B in my home tonight. I was able to do something I'm not able to do uh, at Studio A, and that is go out into the kitchen and get myself a refill of my coffee. And and my wife is walking through the the kitchen, and she says. So you want to move to Malta? <laughs> yeah. I said, you know what? Whether or not I want to move there permanently is secondary to the fact that what all I keep thinking about is the fact that you don't have to worry about the GMO thing. The fact that you at least have a government that is wise enough to say we are not going to allow this uh, this kind of chemical culture to be so pervasive and it's that's just the one thing that I'm really jealous of. That was number one on my list. And just here's my olive oil. It's in the wine bottle though. Nice. And if, if you'll let me, I'm going to pour a little shot just so people can see how green this is. Cause I don't think most people get their hands on such pure uh, <clears throat> color. Oh, wow. So oh yes. It's very different. And that's from my backyard, you know? So that's uh, Compa compa compared to our golden, our golden, uh, you know, tinctures over here. That is a, that is a much deeper, richer color. No doubt. It is. It is. And it's thick and it's sweet. But if I did it in this green bottle, you wouldn't know because the bottle's green. So I wanted to pour it just so you could, you could see. And people here, uh, like I just finished, I spilled a little bit. So I rubbed it on my hands and then I rubbed it up my arms because the farmers here use it on their lips. They use it on their skin. And these men are in their 70s, 80s, and they have this gorgeous skin. 
So I've started using olive oil on my face. Oh, well, that, <laughs> you, why not, you know? I, I, somebody once told me who was in the uh, the skincare. We had a couple, I have a couple of friends who've been in skincare um, and and or especially organic, homeopathic, mm -hmm. that kind of those lines of products. And they once told me, Frank, if you can't eat it, don't put it on your skin. That yeah. is what I, I did the pediatric massage training when I was pregnant, and the person that taught the class she said two things to me that I will never forget. She started the class. She said, I want to open by saying Johnson and Johnson is the devil. Don't put anything from Johnson and Johnson on your baby's skin. And she said, and don't put anything on your baby's skin that you wouldn't eat. If you would not pick it up and eat it, don't do not put it on the skin. But I also have to say over the years that I learned that coconut oil is fabulous for the skin unless you're prone to eczema and then it exacerbates eczema. Really? So yeah. And I learned that the hard way with my daughter. And then people were like, yeah, you didn't know that? And it's like, no, why would I know this? I don't Everybody know just talks about coconut oil. But if you have eczema, it makes it much worse. So know your know your audience, know the skin that you're working with. Like for me, I just poured the olive oil back in. So now I'm rubbing it up my arms. You never want to waste. Like olive oil here is gold. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't want to waste a single a thing of it. Hey, it, it, you know, if you can put, uh, you, you know, those little tiny uh, those little tiny sampler Jack Daniels bottles that you can buy. The little, yes. the little, little if you ever come across any of those, just <laughs> dump one out, put a little bit of your olive oil in, put it into a bubble pack and send it to me. I just, I, I, you know what, if you want, you can give me your address and I will send you a hundred milliliters. That's the carry on size of the Bidney olive oil from the Mediterranean Culinary Academy where they harvest the the bidney with the guys that I work with. Well, the, you're going to have show. to let me know how much the shipping is on that because I, I, I just, I, I just, I just tried to send something that was, I think about a half a pound to Australia. Somebody had won a raffle, a super chat raffle with me last year and it cost me $200. <laughs> It was, it was, no, nuts. no, 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 it doesn't cost like, it doesn't cost that much. But if I send you the olive oil, I'm going to have to send you the book too, okay. because there's a lot about Bidney in there. Uh, but it, but it's so delicious. It's actually spicy. It's, it's not your average olive oil. Bidney is so high in antioxidants and polyphenols and so low in acid that it tastes hot like pepper in the back of your throat. Hmm. Mm, fantastic. You know, no. I um so so let me get to a couple other things over here. Okay. I, ha I have here's about autism. This one is from mm -hmm. Rev in the chat room. Uh, he says, you know, one of your books, Emily, is about autism, and of all the subject matter covered in the book that I see, I would love it for you to address some basic thoughts on the ideas of prevention and remediation, because Western medicine is insistent that there is no autism trend that could be prevented. That detection is just revealing what was always there. Um, so when you say prevention and remediation for autism, uh, how do you approach that? Well, I used to be really loud about this stuff, and then I got really nervous because, um, especially in the United States, the government can be really dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, so um, here's what I would say. Two things. If I, if I could go back in time, there is a mouth swab, an oral mouth swab, where you can check your children's genetics. And what you want to test for is something called the MTHFR gene mutation. So a lot of people will say it's luck of the draw if your child will have a, 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 a negative response to vaccines, okay? But it's not luck of the draw. It's are they, do they have a genetic mutation that puts them 
in the danger zone. So that's one thing I would go to my, for me, we went to a pediatric geneticist Mm -hmm. and had that thing done, but you get it done. Just get the MTHFR test because even here in Malta, I went to their vaccine specialist here and started asking all these questions. And I said, my daughter has an MTHFR gene mutation. He had to Google it. I was so mad. And I was like, you can't call yourself a vaccine specialist. You can't. If you don't know that word, we're done. We're done with this conversation because you've lost me and all of my respect. Do they, so that, do they have, um, the, do they have the kind of schedules out there like we have over here? No, like, I mean, no, cause that's, that's the other nothing thing. Nothing like that. That's um, in the, in the EU, they use different adjuvants into the vaccines than the United States. So things that are used in those in the U S are banned here. So um, that's one thing Two, They don't have the schedule that, that they do in the States. Do they do not push that kind of numbers and they don't push that many of uh, individual things. So that's something big too. Um, For me, craniosacral therapy changed the life of my child. Her brain really reorganized. And I feel like self-correction, just the word self-correction isn't taught to people in the States because the insurance industry is so massive that if it's not covered by insurance, somehow doctors don't push ever. And they don't even open up to study what's, what's the options. So that, that drives me crazy. Um, I would have taken my child to craniosacral therapy first. I would have held off on certain scheduling of things that are that feel mandatory to you. Mm-hmm. I would have had a stronger voice from the start. I switched pediatricians um, later because I felt so bullied all the time. And I would spend like two weeks before each appointment. How do I say no? How do I say no? How right. do I stand up? How right. do I ask these questions? And I finally started over with a doctor that she sat me down and she goes, listen, if you come to my office and you've done your research and you want to abstain on something, I respect your decision. If you come into my office and you haven't done your research, I do not respect that decision and it's not going to work for us. Um, I was really grateful to have a doctor like that. Well, that's So that I could actually have an open dialogue and go, well, I'm curious about this, 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 instead of them saying, no, the answer is this. And if you don't, I'm going to call defects and they're going to take your kids. I mean, there's so much threatening behavior that happens over there. It's terrifying. So I wish I would have had a stronger voice. Um, I, w- I wish I would have found craniosacral therapy sooner, but also with craniosacral therapy, I would have gone to the Upledger website and looked up, find a therapist and found someone who's trained in pediatric. Cause a lot of people don't understand the value of how much training you need to touch a, a baby, to really touch a baby. Um, so those things, that's what I would do. I would get the MTHFR tested. I would look at alternative therapies and I would, slow it down where I could. Um, and that's, I, I knowledge is power, but it's also dangerous, especially in these, these days. Oh, so yes. I'm less, less inclined to offer the way that I used to shoot off at the mouth. <laughs> no, I, I understand. And here we're, we're over here and, um, I, I know that we're just meeting for the first time today, so you don't know too much about my show, but, uh, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the avoid as much as possible boat. I have a three-year-old uh, daughter over here and, and we're always very, very, very uh, cautious about stuff. And I was very cautious with every conversation I had with my pediatrician. Thankfully, she is for informed consent, which is actually a rarity these days, it as you said. so rare. At, you know, it, it is so, it's so rare. Um, there is a really abusive kind of taunting relationship that is formed between doctors and patients now where if there is any kind of resistance then suddenly you're going you're breaking dogma 
at this point. You're you're you know you're going against the faith, and this is a priest that you're offending. It's uh, yeah. so I understand, and and of course you have this all published so people can take a look at it. That was from Rev. Here's another one. Uh, me me personally, I'm always very interested in experiments that measure the impact of human intention on physical matter. Um, I've read several books on this on 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 stuff like this that uh, that I thought were so amazing, especially from a scientific standpoint of logging what intention experiments have come up with, whether it be the development of new motor skills just by practicing in your brain or even the healing process. And you published a lot on the mind body aspect to healing. So I wanted to know you want you know when it comes to breath work, and hypnotherapy or homeopathy and the like outside of kicking a smoking habit or working through anxiety have you ever been able to attribute a person's recovery from a serious illness to spiritual and herbal remedies alone um i don't know i i have seen i have a person in my mind right now that i have to say they had a particular aggressive cancer and their body was not open. It was resistant to the chemo that they had to have to save their life. And their oncologist said, I want you to call this girl, me. And I don't know what she does. I don't know how she does it, but see if she can get your body to take that chemo. Cause that's the only way you're going to survive this. And so she came to me and we did uh, Reiki. We did energy work. And I just let her talk her way through her body. And through that situation, her body released in such a way that she was able to take that chemo. And she's like 15 years in remission. Wow. And it, I was there. I, I saw what can happen when your body is allowed to self-correct. It wasn't, it's nothing that I did. It, you know, people, they hear this kind of story and I, I can share the story because I actually got her permission and it's in um, the whole body healing but to watch, it was like energetically watching the stories that she's told herself unwind. And, and I'll say this, she wasn't, she got sick very quickly. Uh, a person in her family had been um, incredibly uh, insulting to her body when she was very young and she had no memory of it. And then when they got sober and made amends, they came and apologized and she was diagnosed with cancer within three months. Wow, It was that fast. So I believe that the emotional health can cause or cure. Just like in yoga, they believe your breath can cause or cure. I believe that the state of being in our energy body and our emotional body, which are not the same thing, have to be in a state of open to receive so that your body can autocorrect. But you have to provide the pathways for that. Herbs I love. I also think it's a dangerous game to play if you're facing an illness, to not be open to both sides. Don't put science away just because people have gotten so dirty with it. Don't, because it's dangerous. And what I've seen in my practice, because I've worked with cancer for so long, is the really staunch, holistic, not turning to the other side until it's way too late. And then they decide that's the reason that they died, or that's the reason that something happened. You got to walk the middle. You got to go with what you think, but take from both. Go Eastern, go Western. Be smart and be safe and take care of your body, your mind, your health, your emotions. And that means being aware that there is fantastic healing remedies on both sides. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a terrible, uh, terrible thing to have to make choices in because there is so, especially so much conflicting information and people are very, uh, you know, emotional about 
one way or another to go, and there is not a lot of middle ground. And, and the middle ground is where you're going to be saved. Honestly, <laughs> the middle ground is where you're going to be saved. That that hardcore, it, uh, you know, I have a, a dear friend who actually lives in Massachusetts, in um, Connecticut, who's a world many times over world champion in Tai Chi in martial arts. And he was diagnosed with colon cancer and he sat down and he did a video for everyone. And he said, listen, I understand that I live in a world of very holistic healing. I've been to Chinese medicine school. I'm an acupuncturist. I've studied this my whole life, but I'm asking you not to come to me with all your people that can help. You have to let me find the path. And he has been saving his own life and he's coming through and he's following the advice of his doctors, but he's also practicing high meditation and Tai Chi. There is such a beautiful symbiotic relationship when you cut out the middlemen of people and, and really go to your doctors, go to those specialists. That's when you need that male specialist or whoever it is that's dedicated their life to the one area that you need right now. And so I, I believe that you do as much research as possible. Look for third-party non-dominant research where the pharmaceutical companies were funding it, get out of that, do the double blind studies, things like that. But then at the end of the day, take in as much information as you can and then sit with it. And your body will tell you what things to follow. Uh, Emily, this has really been a, a wonderful, a wonderful time with you tonight. It's a nice break, um, a nice exotic break from all the, the rigmarole of the headlines and everything else. Been thinking about beaches in far off lands and uh, you know, white olives and, and so many great things tonight. Uh, uh, but I, I would love to know, just as we're wrapping up here, how can people find your work? I know that you are also a broadcaster. Uh, do you broadcast on a set schedule? If so, I know that it's all in a uh, Maltese time zone. So uh, let everybody know exactly um, how they can find you and, and the best way to keep in touch because, I, hey, I would love to have you back one day. But for now, um, it's a it's a long winter, you know. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm at Emily A. Francis Books on Instagram and Emily Francis Book A Francis You can find me on Facebook. I host a radio show on Healthy Life Radio. That's healthylife.net. Every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific time. It's out of California. It plays in 135 countries around the world. And it's called All About Healing. And we talk about all about healing because you can. There is amazing things out there, and you're allowed to have yours. That is, it, thank you so much, and that's great. That's great to know that you're. It's uh, it's broadcast in Pacific time, so even at seven a.m. my time, I'd be able to listen to it. Yeah, it's one o'clock p.m. your time, so it's oh, ten a.m. California, I always do uh, one this. p.m. Eastern time, <laughs> and then seven p.m. Central Eastern me. So it's now at my dinner time. So I hosted that a couple hours ago. Yeah, and it's like two o'clock in the morning here in Malta. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes it does feel like the world spins in reverse for me, Emily. And that's just, that's really what it is. All right. Well, thank you for everything. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your month. Uh, go get your, go get some sleep. Thank I you. Will. Thank you. Thank your husband on our behalf for allowing you to, uh, to, to, you know, hang out so late at night and, uh, and have a wonderful day. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers with my olive oil. Cheers. cheers. Thank cheers. you. Thank Take you. care. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's Emily Francis, and that was a uh, a really wonderful time. I can't wait to see what you guys and gals have for me. It's eight twenty. I'm gonna go on a little bit of an extent, like you know, three and a half minute break, maybe four minute break. I got a nice little song for you because I have to uh, have to go use the facilities and and just get a couple of things in. Then we're going to get your calls in, your super chats. I tried to get 
to as many of your questions as I can. There were some things that kind of answered themselves. A lot of people asking about her experiences as an expat and being out there and, you know, getting over that culture shock and, and, you know, where do you go from here? And I think a lot of that just really came up in the natural course of the conversation. I didn't want to get too redundant, but I loved all the contributions from the audience tonight. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to go on a really brief uh, break. When we come back, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk to you. The lines are going to be open. I want to hear if any of you have any of your own expat getting out of Dodge um, immigration stories where you say, I'm leaving and you have culture shock. Uh, th that even means I'm going from a dense urban environment in the United States and I'm going rural where it is culture shock. You're going from one way of life to the polar opposite or to something so alien you could have never really trained for it until you were just in it, immersion. So get your culture shock stories up. I'm also going to be picking through an old but really awesome open thread that I've kept up on the top of the forum. It is your strange personal food preferences, hacks, and combinations. Uh, some of this might be the uh, might not be the healthiest stuff, but I think it's really interesting and fun. So we did that a couple of, I think we did this in November. No. No, I think I put this up in, when the hell did I put this up? When did I put this up? Hold on a second. Let me go to page one. That'll help. I put this up in December of 2022. I said, I want to hear it all. Do you put mayo in your coffee? I know people who put mayonnaise in their coffee. I've heard of it. Ketchup on your salad? I've also heard of that. It makes me want to throw up. Let us know about your personal food hacks and combinations, the things that you like, no matter how strange they are. We're getting into those, and I want your culture shock stories. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. At White House Senior Living, our residents feel right at home. Our vibrant facility offers delightful activities and outings, round-the-clock professional care, and exquisite house-made meals. Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me, but I've been eating all, all Italian food, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream, chocolate chip ice cream. White House Senior Living, where residents feel like presidents.
All right. Welcome back, ladies and gents. It's good to have you here, and... Man. Good talk with Emily, just something outside the box. And uh, I like that. I liked it a lot. And then a little bit of stick figure, keep you in that island mood. And we're feeling good. All right, well... Now what do we do? Oh, it's just you and I. Before we get into anything else, because I want to make the, the best of our last half hour here, I want to let you know what I have up uh, in the um, in the after hours. Now, uh, tonight is Rabbit Hole Wednesday on QuiteFrankly.tv, right there on Pilled. So when you leave, just give me a couple minutes. I I may want to make a, a, um, a change to this, but there's a couple of things. Uh, Tucker Carlson recently had this astrophysicist guest on who talked about everything from the climate hoax, the way that it is hoaxed, and also uh, even to the existence, you know, science uh, science uh, proving the existence of God. I thought it was an amazing thing. It's only about 48 minutes. I think I was going to save that for tomorrow, but I think I'm going to add that into tonight. But there's so much I'm going to have on the air tonight. First of all, I've got suppressing a cure. Um, the, the 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 full documentary about Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski, the cancer cure cover-up. So I want to have that in there. That is going to be for almost like the late night. But we got Jim Brewer. He made an appearance on InfoWars. That was pretty cool. I like Jim Brewer a lot. And he sat down with Alex Jones. And it's an hour and a half. So I'm thinking I'm going to start this off with Tucker Carlson, so you can listen to this astrophysicist guest. That's a, that's less than an hour. And then we got Jim Brewer for an hour and a half. And then it's going to go to Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski's The Cancer Cure Cover-Up. And that is, I think, another hour and a half. And this is gonna, if you're on the West Coast, uh, you're, you're going to be straight. We're going to take you into, um, into the evening, and you're going to have a good time. If you're on the East Coast, uh, if you're a night owl, you'll love it. There's a lot. There's a lot tonight, and it all kind of seems timely. We talked a little bit about cancer tonight with um, with Emily, but uh, Jim Brewer is timely. It just happened. The Tucker Carlson thing just happened. So I don't know. I don't want to blow my load like that, but I, it just it's all it's all right here right now. Maybe I save Jim Brewer for tomorrow. That's what I'll do. After the Thursday night show, I'll put the Jim Brewer thing on. So we'll go from Tucker Carlson to Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski. What else do I have for you tonight? So I'm curating it all. Um, let me see. Hold on. The first thing that you're going to get tonight is it's an eight-minute compilation of poorly aged 90s commercials. So you're talking about imagery that you'll never see again. You're talking about Halliburton commercials, things like that. Uh, and then there's Jim Brewer. I'm going to save Jim Brewer for Thursday. You're going to have... Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, let me take Jim Brewer out of there. And let me put uh, Tucker Carlson back in. Hold on a second, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're going to be doing. Then there's a 30-minute video that I just found on YouTube from a couple of months ago. This kid snuck into Bohemian Grove. All right, and it's a freaky... It's only 27 minutes long. It's freaky. Like he got he got onto the grounds. He had his little camera. He had a and he goes up. He finds the owl and the altar, all that stuff. 
So um, uh, that's going to be it. I'm going to put that up. Uh, I'm going to do Tucker Carlson, then Bohemian Grove get infiltrated, and then it's going to be suppressing the cure, the cancer cure, the uh, the uh, Stanislaw Brzezinski. And then in the in the in the after hours, I'm going to have an or I'm going to put Art Bell, Malachi Martin, the third the third interview with Malachi Martin up. So it'll be a really cozy night. And it'll probably go until about four or five in the morning, uh, East Coast time. So for those of you sticking around for it, you are real warriors and you are going to get doused with interesting, spooky, cool things all night. Uh, just give me a couple of minutes after the show concludes at nine o'clock and that'll be up. Um, I won't even be getting out of my chair. All right, let's go. 914-200-0269. Let's get to your super chats in the meantime. The first one up is from Jay Britt. Says, great guest, Frank. I'm sure it was culture shock moving from Atlanta. I am sure of it as well. 925YLG says, Bagna or Baunya Calda. And how many other kinds besides fondue are there? I don't know what this is. Is that a Maltese comment? Uh, reference? From 925 Wild G on Rumble? I don't know. Big Bird says, thanks, Frank. Thank you, Big Bird. Uh, Sean Joe, C. Blanche, Axapax, Daily Insanity. Great guest, Frank. I'm loving Enemies Conveyance of Malta. I am too. It sounds... And, and that's why I had to stop her and, and you know just reiterate here. We started off with talking about how Malta is a very simple place where, you know, people, the, the, the way that they live, it seems exotic to us, almost like what she was, what she was, how she was talking. If I were, if I didn't have any context, I'd be like, all right, well, she lives like an empress. She lives like a queen. And she's, you know, just eating from the, you know, it's just like the, like the, the walls are growing can't, uh, you know, na nature's candy. There's just, there's just food. But it's just about that is a different way of approaching life as a nation. Now, Malta, a place like Malta or any nation out there in Europe, because like as you know, as you know, me going from New York to Connecticut and from Connecticut to Massachusetts, uh, that is as um, you know, in Europe, you are passing from nation to nation just as casually as we pass from state to state. Now, the way our union was set up, we were supposed to be a, uh, we were supposed to be those sovereign nation states that were strung together by a, a very, you know, limited and well-defined general government that has completely been wiped off the face of the earth. And they want you to believe that Wyoming is the exact same place as Rhode Island and all of the, the, uh, all of the rules should apply across the board. So th there are some issues there. Now, that's why when people say, well, you know, in this the United States is lagging, lagging behind every uh, civilized nation on earth uh, when, when it comes to universal health care and this and that. I said, well, no, not necessarily. Number one, number one, uh, a lot of the socialized programs in Europe and places like that are able to work out because the entire nation is the size of Rhode Island. In the case of Malta, it's an island. You know, you think about you think about Switzerland. You think about all these places. They're 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 smaller than the average American state, and they're for the most part prior to the the planned um, migrant crisis. Uh, they're homogenous. 
they're culturally homogenous. If you can get everybody living the same way, espousing the same culture, defending that culture, and, uh, and, and generating your own internal programs, then you can make things like that work. You can. In fact, that is what our system in the United States is supposed to do. It's supposed to create, create a series of independent um, experimental zones, the states. You know, if New York can find a way to make universal health care work with all of the funds that you can generate inside the state, then fantastic. But what you do in New York may not and probably will not work the same way that they can do things or may not be able to do things in Rhode Island or in Maine or in Kentucky. It, it's just the way it is. So, um, you know, you just think about that. You think about that mentality and you think about the way that they, they live in places like Malta. And I just wish that we can dust off. We could have that here. We could have that here. It's actually the way that we were we were founded. You know, it's just incredible. But, you know, you have to be able to displace people intellectually on how a uh, how your country is supposed to run that culture. Once you knock that off the rails, uh, there's no way that you can do this. Like I said before, how many people we read about get busted for, you know, selling raw milk. We were just talking about uh, the Pennsylvania going after the Amish farm, going after the Amish farm uh, and trying to shut them down, going uh, the EPA going after uh, Berkey water filters, trying to classify their uh, gravity fed um, uh, water filters as pesticides. Meanwhile, the American government allows glyphosate to be the main ingredient in every farm product we have. You know, it's it's just crazy. It's crazy. So that's the one thing that I, I really I really am, am jealous of places like Malta. If you at least have confidence in your food supplies, and as they say, health is everything. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. You know? If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And uh, as long as they have that going for them, then, um, then they're going to be able to do a lot as long as they have the will to fight for it. Let's see here. Um, Paulie nine three six three water and lime juice fasting for fat guys. Yeah, well, I love I love uh, seltzer and lime. I can drink that all day. Swickley says I'll have some of those orgasm strawberries now, please. <laughs> yes, please <laughs> give me some of those orgasm strawberries as well. Please, I'll take a bushel right now. Annie Oakley, thank you. Sean Joe, J Sem, Secret Weapon, uh, Jesse1138, Chai Possum says Emily was great. Just ordered her book. Thanks, Frankie. Thank you, Chai Possum. I'm sure she's going to appreciate that as well. Um let's see here. Axapax says hump day, hump day, hump day, hump day. Yes, it is one of those days. It's one hell of a day for an orgasmic strawberry, isn't it? That hump day. All right, get that out of the way. Let's take a call, shall we? Uh, 785, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's the Sentinel. How are you doing tonight? Oh, it's great to hear from you, Sentinel. How's everything been? Hey, we're in the middle of a cold snap. Uh, we had snow shut down the state yesterday, but uh, we're right back at it and expected for another blast tomorrow. Wait, where, where are you at again? Uh, I'm in the heart of America here in uh, Eisenhower State, Kansas. Okay. Now, 
we have a um, we just got a couple of inches on Saturday. It is all gone as of right now because last night we had about eight hours of uh, heavy rain, high winds, and mid fifties. So it's already been cleared out. But now we're getting more coming our way on Tuesday. Is that coming from you guys up here? Uh, yeah, it's headed east. It came out of the west and and out of the south of the Gulf Stream, and and was wet. Uh, so it started out it was really wet and heavy, uh, and and compacting. Um, and then all of a sudden we got really cold, and all that wet snow that kind of melted turned into a, just a sheet of ice. Well, I wish you luck. I guess we're all in the same boat. Well, that's not what I called about. <laughs> I called to say I really liked your guest, and it reminded me of our own Malta story between me and Molly already here. Tell me about it. Well, we were uh, a couple years ago. We were sitting here on a Sunday watching a podcast on the YouTube, and a phone call called that came in from one of her artist friends. So we put the pause on the YouTube, and she put it on the speakerphone, and she was talking to her friend, and she was so excited about her trip to Malta. And she had all these photographs that she wanted to get produced uh, and and worked through with with, with Molly. And uh, she told it went on and on and on for like forty five minutes. Didn't take a breath. Just all the great things about Malta. Well, when the call was finally over, we resumed our podcast. And when the podcast was over, we went out of YouTube and came back in. We had for days just suggestions on YouTube. All these little videos to watch stuff about Malta. Interested in a cruise at Malta? Interested in the history of Malta? Want to book a cruise to Malta? And it was just really freaky because either her phone app or the TV app was listening in to all this discussion about Malta. And we were like, they're listening to us. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So, but, but, you know, that doesn't surprise me. But, but did you go and take that as a sign that you should go to Malta? Or did you say, no, this is not a sign? This is just surveillance. No. I, I didn't even watch any of their damn promo videos. It's like, I, I'm not going to Malta because they're so insistent that I have to look at this shit. <laughs> That's it. You see, if it wasn't for all the technology spying on you, you might have actually taken a vacation. I would have probably listened to, to Special K's story and maybe looked into it then on my own but because they were suggesting it, no, F that. Yeah. No, but I'm with Emily's you. a good ambassador. <laughs> well, well, th well, thank you. Thank you for the Malta story, Sentinel. And all the best to Molly over there. Yes, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. There you go. See? He was this close. Malta was this close. And then, of course, Big Tech. Big Tech killed that boner. Talk about talk about a buzz kill. <laughs> Just when you thought the stars were aligning, you realize, oh, no, it was just an algorithm. Okay, let's see. 914-200-0269. Let's get into a little bit of these uh, strange, because we're talking a little bit about food tonight. This is not going to be Mediterranean-based, I can tell you that. Listen to this. This is from January of 2023. A year ago, Hoop put this down. said, Frank, I love peanut butter sandwiches dipped in chili. No spoon for chili needed. Just use the sandwich. Barbecue chips dipped in cottage cheese. They've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. 
Mullins French dressing or Catalina dressing on thin crust pizza. All right, that's not too bad. I don't I'm not a fan of French dressing, but if if you can have blue cheese and ranch dressing uh sprinkled onto pizza based on like you know for example my my buddy KJ at his uh his pizzeria, they make a really awesome buffalo blue cheese buffalo chicken pizza. Where you know they got the, the chicken, the hot sauce and a little swirl of the blue cheese through it. Fantastic. I can see a ranch, I can see how French dressing could work too, though I probably wouldn't take it. French fries dipped in Wendy's chocolate frosty. That I have done. It is good. It's a satisfying combination. It balances out. That works. Peanut butter sandwiches dipped in chili and barbecue chips dipped in cottage cheese is confounding. Aria's pajamas said this, Frank... Head cheese. It's got to be the real thing, though. Oh. When I was a little, many, many, when I was little, many, many years ago, my grandfather knew someone who handmade it. It's hard to find now, but Kokon Butcher in Nola makes fantastic head cheese. I had head cheese once, and I thought it was appalling. It was just, I, and get me, please correct me if I'm wrong. My my friend Kyle, he was our uh, our rhythm guitarist in our heavy metal band. Um, he was working at the in the 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 butcher section, the deli section of a local grocery store when we were in high school in the first years in college, and uh, you know, uh, we, so whatever we knew, he was on, you know, working there. We would go to the the grocery store, say hi to him, and order a sandwich or something like that, and he. He said, hey, you want to? Try, you guys want to try something? He said, it's head cheese. And they had this. Let me see if I can get a picture of it. Let me see. Head cheese. Oh. Blah. Blah. There it is. Blah. Hold on. Let me get a, let me get a, a really good picture that I can put up on full screen. Oh. Terrible. How terrible. All right. He says, you guys want to try some head cheese? I said, sure. What's head cheese? He said, it was pretty much all of the discarded parts, the unused little parts of the, the pig or something like that. And it was stuffed together. It was held together in a gelatin. These are discarded parts of the pig or whatever the fuck animal it is. And it's being held together in a gelatin. Uh, he he cut me one thin slice. This was put on a, uh, this is put in sandwiches. He cut me one thin slice of this shit. And I took a bite of it. I threw the rest of it out. I, I was spitting out pieces of gelatin. It was stuck in my teeth. I was spitting out little pieces of gelatin. Uh, I, I, you can't, you know, uh, it was terrible. You know how, okay, so I know this much. You know how you know, you ladies out there put extensions in your hair and shit and use that glue for extensions or whatever the hell it is? And you know how uh, at, at, toward the tail end of the extension's lifespan, the glue will start peeling off and balling off and coming out. And, you know, you run your hand through a woman's hair and there's extension glue in there. Uh, it, it, it's pretty much what it is. It's like discarded parts of pig that's held together with extension glue. And, and the fact that people seek this shit out is beyond me. Does anybody out there 
eat head cheese? Anybody? I'm looking into the chat room right now. Swamp Cabbage says, I remember cutting head cheese. It's sick. No, I don't see anybody. Shout out to Cheese. So Axapax likes that? Has anybody re responded affirmatively to head cheese in the chat room yet? I have not seen anything. All right, I guess not. Okay. I guess Higher Ground likes it. Higher Ground says a bunch of wimps in here. So I guess Higher Ground likes it. Okay. <laughs> so I was said, there's something for everybody. If people didn't like head cheese, it would have never caught on. It would have never stayed around long enough for me to find out about it. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. Uh, they said head cheese it has to be the real thing, though. That's from Aria's Pajamas. Revolution. Let's see here. No, no, no. He was responding to somebody else. Uh, Jalen Wennings said, in high school, my best friend would eat his school pizza topped with mayonnaise and corn. I tried it a few times. It was actually pretty good. Strange, but, you know, some stranger things have happened. 914-200-0269. We still have 10 minutes left. Do you have any expat culture shock stories where you left a place that you've known your whole life or you've known so well it was second nature and you went to a place to relocate, not, not vacation? You went to a place to relocate that was culture shock you just threw yourself into something new you still have a couple of minutes to get somebody out there to call in 914-200-0269 let's see here revolution says my father used to wrap salami around oreos apparently my mother called it out one time and he confirmed that he had i never actually saw him eat that particular combination firsthand but also i know that the 70s it was in the 70s and earlier portion of the 80s they did do the 420 thing Mayhap it was only a munchies thing. As he's gone now, I can't ask him, but maybe I can get clarification from my ma if I remember to ask her about it at some point. Oh, salami and Oreos, that is definitely a munchies thing. And it does not disagree with me. Now, I wouldn't wrap it. I would have a, an Oreo and a salami. I guess it wouldn't matter if you wrapped it. It's all going down the same chute. But uh, I did stranger things when I was high. I've eaten Stranger Things. I remember going to that very same grocery store that Kyle worked in uh, in high school when we were just starting to smoke a little. And uh, I it was... I remember the, the most satisfying, weird combination that I got. I bought this little bottle of raspberry honey. I bought a nice big ball of mozzarella. And then I bought a nice, fluffy, soft, fresh loaf of potato bread, sliced potato bread. And I brought it back to my uh, to my basement with all of our buddies. We all went out, you know, <laughs> to the grocery store to buy some stuff to eat. And I am slicing the mozzarella cheese and I'm putting it onto the the uh, the bread. And we're having the cheese and the bread, putting the honey on the bread, the honey on the cheese. It was it was a fantastic night. I would have never thought to put those combinations together in the past. I still have fond memories of it. The honey on the cheese was actually pretty good. And then, of course, you start dipping into other things. Like, uh, for example, last night, I uh, Lauren had bought a little thing of goat cheese 
you know, in you know the goat cheese that's kind of like uh, you know wrapped up and covered in blueberries or something like that. You put that out on a charcuterie board or something for a holiday. What we hadn't used is goat cheese and blueberry throughout you know the the Christmas and New Year's thing. So it was just in there and it was still good. So yesterday I cracked it open. I just started slicing off pieces of that, putting it on triscuits and stuff. But um, I know that aside from goat cheese and blueberry, goat cheese and honey is very, very popular. So I know that cheese and honey go together. Now, back then, I thought I was some kind of a fucking pioneer, you know, but I was just high. <laughs> that's, the, that's usually what happens when you're high. You think that you're solving all the riddles of the universe. You wake up the next morning, you look at your notes, and you said, oh, I got to stop smoking. This is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> There we go. Uh, 480, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank, this is Dirk. Hey, what's going on, Dirk? Uh, in uh, Arizona. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, gosh, it's great. I just, uh, I've been a long time listener to you, five years, six years now. Anyway, I just wanted to, to call in to follow up on the peanut butter and chili. Uh, my mom introduced uh, peanut butter crackers and chili. And ever since I've been uh, old enough to eat chili, that that's the way it goes. So, oh wait, wait, was this your was this your um uh, your entry? This is you. Yeah, this oh, is me. So your hoop on on the on the forum. No, 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 no. Uh, this first time caller. I'm just telling you. Okay, uh, I don't think you even have me listed <laughs> well well you know i was just saying because I, when i was reading this off of the forum so then you're another person who combines peanut butter sandwiches with chili then uh not necessarily peanut butter sandwiches but peanut butter crackers oh pe- put it like on saltine okay gotcha well you know I, I guess it's the same kind of crossover of tastes that's still the same kind of a thing and it's a, a spicy chili right we're talking about meat meat and beans here Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm. the, the peanut butter is the thing that goes with chili, uh, unlike a, a lot of other things. It's, it just it goes together perfectly. It sounds weird, but it's delicious. I'll tell you one thing, Dirk. Um, I tried something. I, it was maybe around 2010, 2011. It was one summer in particular that I went, and I was trying to read every American classic novel that was uh, that was put out there by Hemingway and Fitzgerald one year. I just wanted to I wanted to go on a Hemingway and Fitzgerald kick one year in the summertime and I'm reading all their books and um and this one thing that popped up more than once that made me think I got to try this was and you know remember they're all they're all writing from that uh, that lost generation perspective of like the 1910s 1920s reminiscing a little bit to the late 19th century and and they pay reference to peanut butter and onion sandwiches as if it's a, you know, oh, yeah. a, it's a treat. It's a delicacy. And I'm thinking to myself, peanut, peanut butter and onion. What the hell's going on here? So one night, Dirk, I went and I, I, I got myself a, you know, I got the sliced bread. I put the, the peanut butter down. I had a red, a red onion. I don't know if it should have been white or red, but I had a red onion. I, you know, I sliced it up. I put a couple of rings on there and it was surprising. I was not grossed out by it there was just something about the the uh the, the spice of of the the spice and the crunch of the onion with the smooth creaminess of the of the peanut butter it it worked it really did it, it i it didn't ruin my i haven't had it since but it's not like i threw up 
Oh, yeah, and that just goes to say, you know, the sweetness of the onion as well. I mean, because I always put onions on my chili as well. So, I mean, it, it all goes perfectly. And anyway, it's, it's always been a tradition of mine for 50 years. So <laughs> well, just thought I'd call in and share that. Okay, so before you go then, what, what's your opinion on barbecue chips and cottage cheese? I think I might try it. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> well, let me know if you do, okay? Thanks, Frank. It's It's been uh, just a great experience listening to you every day. Uh, and you, you add a lot to people's lives. And to say thank you. Well, Dirk, I appreciate that. I really do. And I really hope that this is not the last time I hear from you. So if you've been listening for five or six years and tonight is the first time we've we've spoken, or if it's the first time in a while, I don't remember. But I hope I hear from you again soon. Thanks for this. Absolutely. Thanks, Frank. All right. Take care. Let's take another call. 509, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank. This is Sheila. I'm hey, calling Sheila. from Eastern Washington. Great to have you on, Sheila. Uh, you probably know me from LR. He's the guy that sends you the letter to the Western Union wait, wait. typewriter. Wait, wait a second. Who, who, the, you broke up right there. Would you say it again? You may know me through LR. He writes, he uh, types letters out to you. Oh, 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 oh. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. I that heard, dude. I heard the tail end of that. You said the, the, the Western Union typed out re- letters. Yeah, that's my buddy. Dude. We're I, in the same how town. Is, how has he been? I feel like I, ha- I haven't had one of those letters show up for me in a long time, but they were so unique. <laughs> he's, he's fantastic. We went through the entire Malachi Martin book with you guys yes. um, together at my house. Yeah. That, that well, listen. Send send my regards to him because those were some of the most unique correspondences that I've uh, I've ever received. So uh, I hope he's well. He will be so happy. He talks about you all the time. So I'm born and raised New York City, Queens, upstate. I now live in a town that's a total shithole. All the ones are in Eastern Washington, and there's 1,200 people. So that was a little shock. Okay. Well, so so <laughs> I, I would have to imagine. So you go from Queens. To twelve hundred people in a little. Well, will you say it's a total shithole? Um, oh, they you, all are. Did you know that? You before? know how, like back east, you drive around. You're like, oh, let's go out for the day, like you and your wife yeah. and Lauren, you know, Lauren and the baby. And you go, let's go check out some different stores. Really, you only have to drive a half an hour if you want to go to some place unique. You find cute little shops. The first time I was here, and I thought it was the same. Um, <clears throat> we went out to do that, and I ended up in tears. <laughs> But what? But then, so then, tell me a little bit about how you got out there, then, because if you go from New York and you say you, you there's a change of scenery, I don't know what precipitated mm-hmm. that, but you you get on out I've, there. I've, tr- I've done a ton of traveling, um, hiked the Swiss Alps, been Mont Blanc, done that, been down to Panama, worked in Mexico, Bahamas, all that. So I worked in I lived in Seattle, and Seattle started turning into a globalist shithole and i was like all right i'm out of here i bought a couple rentals in this tiny town and that's how i got here and since then i've uh, become an expert in semi-arid cold basically permaculture or regenerative ag right so i completely flipped around a 21 acre farm right into a food forest blah 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 that kind of thing so, so you're just in- i like the area i like the shrub step maybe not so much the people <laughs> So the, you're 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 really just 
it's just that you've invested a lot in this and you've got a, I mean, if you, if you're into mm-hmm. permaculture, that's a part of the way that you yep. sustain your own life at that point. So, yeah, that's why I was totally down with Emily. Yeah. Everything she talked about just grabbed me. Cause I've been in the culinary business for 20 plus years. Oh my God. I loved everything she said. It was fantastic. And now you'll hear the train go by. Maybe. Let me hear. Not. Hold on. So you live right on the train <laughs> tracks too. Oh, God, I had to take back a house from the bank. <laughs> uh, there it is. There it is. Yep, there it goes. It used to be one of my rentals. And in the great financial collapse, uh, when everything went sideways, all my renters did too, blah, blah, blah. There we go. Anyway, eight years later, somebody alerted me, hey, this house is going up for foreclosure on taxes, and you're still on it, which would have screwed my credit. So I literally have to live in this house, and I had to litigate it. And it finally got done 23 in March, signed it. But basically, I'm like, I'm going to live the way I did on my farm. So I live with only wood heat. I refuse to have electricity tied back into the grid. I'm doing off-grid solar. So, you know, that's that's just how I'm going to keep going. Malta sounds nice. Hey, yeah, well, I'll just, hey, hey, listen, and, and there, there's another example. I'm glad that you got through at the tail end here, Sheila, because that uh, that really added to it. There's you going from Eastern, a small little 1,200 population town in Eastern Washington, middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, with your roots being Queens, no less. It is uh, yep. that. that that's big. It might as well be Malta. You just have. <laughs> it might as well be Malta. Well, thank you for the call. You Sheila. were killing me when you said, oh, I could go make a cup of coffee. I wish I had a Spoyadel. I was like, oh, my God, did he just say that? Oh, I haven't yeah. had one of those in years. So oh, whatever. Just okay. Sheila, just for a second, just think of just think of the crunch of the Spoyadel. <laughs> just think of think of the crunch. I'm Oh man! I haven't had any decent freaking food. This it's never. We won't go there. But anyway, I, I miss the food from where I grew up. Oh wow! Oh yeah. Well, listen. It, 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 eventually, you'll get yourself another good veal parmesan sometime. Oh my god! So sad. I know. So sad. All right. Well, at any rate, but no. I mean, I'm doing okay. I'm great. I've never called in. I've been listening to you for probably four years. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And I love what you guys do. And best to your family. Love your family. Best to you. Best to everybody on the show and everyone who listens. Thank so you. you Thank you, Sheila. Have a great night. All right. You too. Thank you. There you go. There's Sheila calling in at the last minute and tying up the show in perfect fashion. So. All right. Well, that's all. Uh, I, we got into a little bit more of these. I have a couple more pages of the strange food combinations and i'll just save this for next time i have this pinned to the top of the the uh the forum so you can always go in there put your your thoughts in there i'm on page three of five so we're getting through it eventually took about a year but we're getting through it thank you all so much for this tonight thank you again to emily a francis uh for those of you who are watching you're watching on quite frankly.tv and pilled.net what i would say is don't go anywhere Give me five to seven minutes. I'm going to throw this thing together, and I'm going to give you some after-hours programming that I've curated that I think really goes hand-in-hand with what we've done tonight. Uh, it's rabbit holy, a little bit of that Tucker Carlson thing, uh, a little bit of uh, infiltrating Bohemian Grove, um, and then the cancer cure suppression documentary, and then some late-night 
um, Art Bell, Malachi Martin, Exorcist Talk. It's going to be great. All right, have a good one. Thank you all again so much. Let me make sure I didn't forget anybody on the, the Super Chats. Stostube with a very wonderful tip. He and Jay Britz are becoming a dynamic duo over there. And I also want to thank everybody. Thank you, Super Tad. Just bought a 12-month bronze tier subscription on, on uh, Foxhole. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I first want to thank everybody who's watching this. For those of you, all the new subscribers, the new patrons who are joining us on Subscribestar, that is a very specific thing that I'm driving for all people who aren't already uh, supporting the show on a monthly basis because uh, I can more easily track the progress, and everybody can, can track the progress of my 2024 funding goal. But um, things like this, SuperTad108, who just became a 12-month bronze tier subscription uh, holder on Foxhole. Remember, Foxhole... Across the board, if you just want to become a sponsor, however, I'm never going to be upset. If you, however, you give me your support, I would never be upset. I'm only grateful for it. Though the subscribe star is what I'm concentrating on now because I want to be able to visually track the progress. But for 12 months now, Super Tad is going to be getting access to the Sunday streams, to the book club meetings. Uh, to, I mean, anything that is extra content that is exclusive to subscribers, Foxhole is one of four places that we that we we honor and keep track of in that way. There's the Patreon, the Subscribe Star, directly through QuiteFrankly.tv, you know, Squarespace, and then Foxhole and Pill.net, right there. So thank you, Super Tad, and uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more of you over the the next year. Now it seems. All the best to you. Thank you, Squickly. Says A1 sauce and pickle sandwiches. Ooh. Uh, it wouldn't totally bug me out. A1 sauce has a little bit of a tang to it, and that pickle is a little sour. I can see that working out. I can see that working out. Lauren is probably gagging in the other room. She hates pickles and coleslaw. That's why I always offer her my pickle. Uh, whenever I get get my my burger. Um, sometimes she takes it other times, uh, the, the Sentinel, thank you. We do chill with cinnamon rolls. Oh, good. The Sentinels again, great show. Now I want to visit Malta. Well, you still have a chance. You still have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, you all still have a chance. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go to Malta. Go to Malta. All right. Uh, as I said before, don't go anywhere. I'm going to put this all together. I'm going to put this all together and throw it up on the After Hours programming. So until then, take care. Good night. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filled before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Stostube and Jay Britz, and a wonderful, uh, just a, a a wonderful arena worth of people who have been gold pilling me. And thank you guys so much for everything. Uh, tomorrow is another day. It's Thursday, in fact, and I cannot wait. We're gonna have a night about precognitive dreams with a very interesting guest. We'll be on with him, and then hopefully we can get some of your stuff coming on in. All right. That's it. That's it. Don't go anywhere, because we have After Hours programming coming up next. <laughs>